Before we begin, recently I read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down, and online course enrollment is through the roof. With podcasts like this, you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction for me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So, if you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at theexpertprocess.com. Again, if you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, this webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small. So sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to theexpertprocess.com and register today. Now on to the show. On today's Expert Process Podcast. Nowadays, a simple effect in the right place, the right beat of the story, the right emotional moment makes all the difference rather than just saturated the blood. That was my friend and horror enthusiast, JK. Jay has honed his craft producing the Horror Happens podcast with his wife and partner, Ghost, writing for the Horror Hound magazine, as well as producing two film festivals and consulting dozens of others worldwide. Jay is a man on the move and Jay knows horror. Stay tuned for part two of our special interview with JK. Do you know six in 10 businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet. Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject? Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide, worldwide. here's your resident expert, Durante Smith. Hello again, EIT Nation, or all of you experts in training. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast. I'm your host, Durante Smith, and it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. The show follows a 12-week online masterclass at theexpertprocess.com, where you will learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry. The program is chock full of professional advice, resources, and even high-level contacts to help you get to the next level in half the time. The podcast is your introduction, the masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is, until I discovered Airbnb. My friend. My very first stay was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California, ironically, during the American film market. I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top-notch 
They made breakfast for us. Um, she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on, so there was just great live music. We had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints. And it was just a great experience. Then there was Daytona that we got away for, again, for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. And Daytona was just, it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful. And it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing, locally here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. And it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry. And I love, love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb. Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb for your getaway or staycation today. And now part two of our interview. Another thing is I see a lot of this, especially with these local filmmakers and the young ones in particular. Right. They want to overuse and I would even say abuse special effects just because they're cheap to make now. And maybe you have some sort of talent in doing it or, you know, you're pretty decent at it or you can you know, find folks to do visual effects these days for not as much money. It's still fairly expensive, but not as much money. To me, poor special effects is not really a good look for a film. I think you should right. be very um, discriminating about how you use it. What's your thought on that? I couldn't agree with you more. And here in the East Coast, there's been several filmmakers over the last five to seven years um, off the top of my head that decide to use a special effects in the worst possible ways thought because they had the resources and technology available and they had creative people that they could create anything they wanted to. And it severely hurt their film. Now, I'm going to say something to you folks, and, and Durante, you had brought this up before. If you have the technology and you have the resources that are so readily available and you sit back and you plan it out and it doesn't look good, don't go forward with it. Think before right. you do it. And I know it's right. a lot easier said than done because you have budgets, you have schedules, you have everything in between to make sure that this project is done and done to the best of it can in the framework. But when you see gaudy special effects, this isn't the 1980s, folks, all right? This isn't blood gore and, and glorious that's on the screen. Nowadays, a simple effect in the right place, the right beat of the story, the right emotional moment makes all the difference rather than just saturated the blood, saturated. Believe me, I'm a huge fan of classic horror, 70s, 80s. I love it. I've been around it now for years. I live in Blairstown, for Pete's sake, with Friday the 13th. And it's amazing how that gore and that impact of those masters reflects so much of the indie genre film community that we see nowadays, where if I throw a lot of makeup on it, if I throw a lot of effects and blood on it, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. It's a very small window and percentage where that works. And a lot of times it's underground films. And a lot of times those underground films never see the light of day. They might get picked up for a VOD. They might get picked up by some of the smaller labels. 
But to be honest with you, the practical effects, even in frame ones that you feel fit, stream back at the beginning. Show people that it's more about the story, more about the characters, and that the effects come in. And that someone who's a journalist, writes for Horror Hound, Dread Central, does Horror Happen Radio, talking to people about practical effects, one of the biggest regrets off the mic, and keep in mind this is off the mic, is the fact that there's regrets about using it and saturating it too much and using bad CGI that just doesn't fit. Just because the technology resources are out there, Durante, doesn't mean you have to sit there. Story characters always first when it comes to it. Let effects be those beats of horror that helps to drive the story instead of sinking the story. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A quick reminder, if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. I'll tell you something that I learned in doing Prosper. Right, go ahead. We did have visual effects. As you said, it was very sparse. It was very intentional and very deliberate. But one of the biggest things that I learned with Prosper was the use of sound. So it's your foley. It's your sound design. It's all those things. Because I also learned that, now granted, I had a crew of professionals that honestly I probably should not have been able to afford if it weren't for just sheer relationships, having worked with these guys in the past, and also my influence around town. Right. But in that, what I also learned is the importance of sound. So one of the big things we had happen is our sound guy... (laughs) I was going to use the word mislabel. He did not label any of our tapes. Wow. You can imagine how, oh my God, just how much of a headache that was. You know? Yeah. I don't want to think it was deliberate because I know the guy. I don't really know him personally like that, but I mean, I, I know the guy well enough to think that he wouldn't do that deliberately, but nonetheless, it was an error. It was an oversight, but it set us back probably two months because we actually had to hire two people to go in and try to sync up the sound that we had literally no labels for, you know? Right, um, right. Unfortunately, somehow it got through DIT. But what happens is when you're out doing this thing the first time out the gate and you're doing such a, a huge undertaking, it's easy to overlook a lot of those small things. Really aren't small, by the way, but they're those small things that kind of slip through the cracks. And that's what they're saying, uh, folks, is that if you reduce the amount of influencing factors, if you reduce the amount of just sheer things that you have to do, it helps to keep the project on par and helps to keep the project tighter so you don't have as many distractions and as many potential problems. In my case, I went for a massive undertaking. We shot on at four different locations, which may not sound like a lot, but we shot over 17 days and it was just, uh, it was a lot. We had a hundred and I think 118 pages of dialogue or something like that. Wow. You know? wow. Yeah, it was a lot, especially for the first time undertaking. I've done a lot of other projects, but for a feature, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a <laughs> it was aggressive, I guess you could say. Uh, but a but bit. but where I want to go with that is Jay. Going back to the thing about sound, audiences, especially horror. I mean, you know, let's call it what it is. It is a genre that tends to be more forgiving, more forgiving than most, right? Right, right. So audiences have come to recognize maybe poor lighting maybe a video that isn't as clean as it should be even though there's no excuse now there really is no excuse but nonetheless 
I think they'll be more forgiving of that. But they're not forgiving of bad sound. You cannot watch a film with bad sound. I'm sorry. You can't do that. So yeah. if there's one place you've got to put the money, you've got to put the money into having a good sound engineer, a good boom operator, you know, and really good sound design because those things make a world of difference. When you're, it's you, you're sitting in front of, I don't know how many movies every single year, and you're seeing these movies play out on the screen. You're like, oh my God, the sound is horrible. Oh my God, the sound design is terrible. Or, right. You know, I mean, it, that makes you suffer through a film. And I'll tell you something, coming from someone who's done terrible sound, uh, and that's one of the things, Durante, I love about listening to you, because you're very honest about the mistakes you've made. And not every filmmaker is honest. A lot of people are very, very thin-skinned and have a lot of egos and, again, fears that their project, their baby, is the best thing ever uh, when it comes to filming. It's the next coming of whatever, insert whatever classic filmmaker you want to uh, in or out of the genre. But you know, two things out of that. One, and this goes again to film festivals in the first three or six months. If there are 10 films that are playing the film festival that you've heard about, that you've read about, that you've seen, or you know the filmmakers are submitting, don't submit your film to there unless you know that the sound is correct, the lighting is beautiful, the story and the characters are there, and the effects are on par. Because in an ocean of content and film, unless you have that 1%, that stands out amongst everyone else, it's not going to get played. The second thing is the sound. And the sound is even more crucial than the first piece of advice because talking to filmmakers, talking to film festivals, uh, being a programmer myself, being someone who's went through his press and experienced countless movies, uh, features, shorts, documentaries, talked with so many different filmmakers over the nine years, It sound has become so crucial and so key, especially in the rising markets over the last five years. Not that sound wasn't important before that, but with the technology so readily available, it's become crucial. And I'll give you an example in the story from my side, which is press. And this goes out to all the people who are starting out. I used to have a little Sony hand recorder. Couldn't it be bigger than maybe if I put my two fingers together and went down the palm of my hand? And it was really cool. It was Sony, it was high quality. When I decided about five years to go out, to go more out into the field rather than staying in the studio and doing phone and Skype interviews, my fiance, the ghost, who is the, the smartest person I've ever met in my entire life. I love her with all my heart because, you know, when common sense doesn't ring in, she rings in. Um, oh, and, okay. and hope, so, shout out to ghost. Uh, yeah. Shout out to <laughs> and that's a shout out to anyone who is that partner when it comes to it, whether it's press, film, whatever it is. Anyway, so. We had sat down and she looked at the Sony recorder and she goes, that's not going to work. You need to upgrade your stuff so you can go ahead and do those panels. You can do those interviews. So the sound is much better than the crap that you're doing right now. And she was very blunt about it. If you listen to early Horror Happens Radio, you'll understand what I'm talking about with the sound right. compared from then to now. Um, and it's more than just the recorder. It's also the programs they have now. I have a great right. Sony program, the SoundForge program. I absolutely love there's so many tools on it that helps to bring the, the best out of the sound for interviews or uh, film. But I got a Zoom H6 and I'll tell you something, folks, for about three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars and some good mics, which is going to be even if you don't want to break the bank, a couple hundred bucks for mics and wires. You can go out there and have amazing sound in projects that you that you will see the elevation of everything that you've done with that sound. And film festivals are always listening. 
they go out there and because of the fact there are so many film festivals, because of the fact that, again, playing so many festivals, you're in so many different theaters listening and seeing your film and seeing how it's portrayed in the cinema. So if your sound is no good, if your sound is crap, and again, I'm the person who's guilty of this on my micro shorts um, in the first stages of this docuseries, but that's a different reason why the sound's not as good. You go ahead and you hear your sound with your feature in these different cinemas. It's not a headset. It's not your computer speakers. It's everyone experiencing it. It's programmers experiencing it. And it might be the do or die, Durante, of whether your film gets seen at film festivals, no matter top, middle or low, or just going out into the, the two or three dollar bin with a physical media release and a VOD. And who knows, even that's going to happen if you have bad sound. So you were correct in what you're saying. And I know your guests have talked about this before. I mean, it's they're talking on the top tier with Sundance and the markets and everything with it and the Hollywood studio system. But if you don't have sound quality, even in your lower independent films, your shorts, even a micro short, it's going to make a difference. And I can't tell you enough as a journalist, as a person who's worked on film, as a programmer, that sound is key across the board, no matter what project you're working on. And if you can't record it well, which should be your first step, whether it's a Zoom H6 or um, any sort of recorder that allows you to be able to work and control the sound, getting a good sound program, whether it's the aspect of an entire film suite that you're allowed to do visual and audio, or just something where you can separate the two, it makes all the difference in the world. And also not recording through your camcorder or your DSLR or whatever you've got, making sure that you have a great mic, an external mic on your, your thing, a road mic, for example. I have a great road mic. I, right. I wore it out, Durante, over the last year. It's in pieces now, but it did what it was supposed to do. So sound is key, and you are absolutely right, the importance of it, Durante. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. I want to share something with you guys. Most of you probably don't know I'm a single parent of a beautiful seven-year-old little girl. I won't go into details about really any of that because it's not relevant. But as a single parent, a single dad with a vision to mold his daughter's outlook, I set her down and we discussed how she could build her own brand, develop her own TV shows, as really it's a new day. She can do what she wants to do. So we just released our first few pieces of her apparel brand, Madison Lauren. And we're launching her YouTube channel next week. You do realize you can play YouTube through your television set, through your smart TV app, Roku, or really any other set-top device now, right? So in an effort to support my seven-year-old aspiring model, aspiring filmmaker, aspiring chef, and aspiring climate activist, I ask you to follow her at Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or visit her website for great gift ideas at Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. So again, that's Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. ThriftyLittleDiva.me. Okay, Madison, what's your motto? We love you just the way you are. Uh, <laughs> they grow up so fast.
Oh, daddy. <laughs> now back to the show. So the movie I was thinking about, it's called A Quiet Place. You're familiar with that movie, right? Dude, I was there at South by two years ago. I was in the theater with John Krasinski. And I'll tell you something. Sound is so key that even in the silence, Durante, people were telling people to shush in the theater. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, I saw the movie in the theater. I don't really get freaked out by movies too much, man. But I'm going to tell you, that dog on movie, just the sheer patience, the, the yeah. pacing, the development, but most importantly, that sound, the Foley right. work, was incredible. I mean, it's, it's such little dialogue. Folks, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to go look it up. It's called A Quiet Place. I'm sure it's online now, but it was, oh, it, was yeah. it was probably a decent budget film. I'd say maybe, what, 10 maybe $15, 20 million, something like that. And not but, only was it was it that, but it opened the door to a lot of films like that now where, where it's such a visceral experience and it starts with the sound. Exactly. They all have to say that, folks, one of the big takeaways I want you to get from this interview is to hear what Jay is telling you guys. Number one, keep it simple. That's first and foremost. Number two, have a strategy. Have a game plan going into it and not just think that, you know, you're going to break the bank and open all these doors simply because you made a film and you think your film's the best, right? And then number three is have really good sound. Spend a few dollars because you spend less than three, four, maybe $500 and have really solid equipment to have, you know, really good sound. And even, yeah. I want to say this real quick, we shot sure. on three DSLR cameras. Now, at one point we ran uh, three cameras, uh, a three camera shoot, right? That was for the sex scene, if anyone's seen the movie. Is a really steamy sex scene. Um, <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, well, I got I caught I a little flack for maybe taking it a bit long. Uh, but, but <laughs> hey, you're the filmmaker, my friend. Hey, you're your baby. <laughs> well, it was the creative license, right? But nonetheless, we shot primarily on two different DSLR cameras, the Mark Seven and the D80 or something like that. Where I'm going with that is, if you shoot on a DSLR camera, please, folks, just understand, go and get the quality lenses. We had Carl Zeiss lenses, one of the camera operators had actually owned the lenses, but go and get quality lenses if you're going to shoot on a DSLR. Nothing wrong with shooting on a DSLR camera. The other thing, too, is you can pick up a DSLR cheap, man. You can get one now used for less than 300 bucks. So what we're saying is there's no excuse not to actually have a good-looking film and a good-sounding film. But most importantly, beyond all that, is to have strategy. So in closing, this were your first time going into going around. What would you tell these folks if you were going into it? Uh, which actually you are because you see yeah. interesting films, you know. So what do you tell folks is the, I guess, best practices for getting their films into the festivals and getting seen? Well, I will say this, and I'll come at it from a, a few different directions. Um, first of all, with sound, if you can't afford sound people to go with you on a project, then afford the equipment and give yourself time to be able to do the best possible sound you can. And this is coming from someone who just spent the last year around the world recording footage and recording sound in the best possible way I could because I didn't have a budget to bring additional people with me for a variety of different reasons. So that's the first piece from that. From a press perspective, I would give the advice that Durante, if you're out there and you have an independent film, reach out to everyone. Get out of that comfort bubble and talk to people. Go out to even the smaller website, the radio shows. Um, you know, just don't think that you need the top tier 
of horror websites or film websites to be able to get your stuff out there because interviews and reviews make a difference when it comes to it, no matter what film festival you go to. And be just nice to people because you know what? If you're respectful and nice to people, and this goes to the radio experience and the journalism experience I have, I remember the majority of people, and I've been very thankful that on one hand I can count the bad conversations over the nine years. I remember, and I always try and take care of the people who go ahead and try and take care of me and are nice to me and are able to work with me. And I've landed movie roles because of it. I've landed opportunities at film festivals with it. Durante, talking to you six years, I'm on this amazing podcast with you about people who are experts. And you could have had anyone, but you you came to me and said, you know what, Jay, you want to be on this? You want to talk about your experiences? So I thank you for that. Most definitely. And, and finally, if I may say, as a film festival programmer and someone that's been immersed in festivals for years now, make sure you have a strategy and make sure that the project you're going to put out, whether it's a short feature documentary, is the best possible thing it's going to do. And if it needs a film festival release, because this might be the only theatrical release that these filmmakers are going to have before they go on VOD, before they go on some sort of independent physical media or something in between, think about the festivals you're submitting to. Is your film Sundance worthy? Is it Tribeca worthy? Or is it mid-tier worthy? I mean, there's plenty of festivals in the mid to lower tiers that are great places for a lot of these films to go have their world premiere. So have common sense. Talk to people. Get to know people that are film festival. One of the things that I did, Durante, through all my years of horror happens is I needed a point to have film festival directors and programmers on my radio program. And at one time, uh, I want to say it was two years ago. I had 70 film festivals that I talked to on the radio show and I got to know them and it made all the difference when I wanted to go out to their events, when I wanted the network, when I wanted to get content from them, when I wanted to build that rapport and that, get out of that bubble. So go ahead, folks, and figure out with common sense where your film fits in the landscape. Not everyone can get into Sundance, folks. Limited slots. Not everyone can get in Tribeca. Not everyone can get in the Fantastic Fest or Fantasia. You got to use common sense with your budget, with your schedule, and where the film's going to go after. That might be the biggest business of all, is that next stage after your project's done and it's getting ready to release to film festivals. Is it better for distribution? Is it better for festivals? Is it better somewhere else? A lot of places want content, and you've got to know the right home for your film. So there's a lot there, but you know what, folks? It's come from almost a decade of experience where there's next to nothing. I had next to nothing, and I built into something incredible with horror happens. And I think everyone who's been involved in that building and evolution. Jay, you have given us a wealth of information. I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh, it's been so great reconnecting with you also. Tell us where, um, where they can find you, you know, what you have going on, whatever you like to promote, but yeah, tell us, uh, especially where these guys can find you and, uh, you know, find out more about what you're doing. Well, again, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Durante, so much. For me, you can find me at horrorhappens.com. The website does need some updating, but it's because I've been so darn busy uh, trying to get everything. You can read me in the pages of Horror Hound Magazine. Find me on sites like Dread Central and Horror News Network and Horror News, um, among others. And, I mean, I'm working with great festivals like Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival, Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, Fear NYC, among others. Um, also, the Fractured Visions Film Festival in England. You can go out there, and they have such diverse programs that there may be a home for your film. Submit it in on Film Freeway, 
and come out to these events and support these events. And you'll find me at all of them uh, attending or connected somehow. And finally, you know, on all social media platforms, you're finding on Facebook, Instagram, but mostly Twitter with a strange man in the film land, um, as well as Horror Happens Radio. You can find me on there on Twitter. I believe it's at Horror Happens RS. And the other one is at Fest Traveler JK3 for Twitter. And I'll be working on projects next year focused on the last year spent on the road at these film festivals with a film festival docu-series, kind of a travel guide that I've been forming over the last few years among other projects. So there's a lot coming up. And uh, hopefully, Durante, as we move forward with these amazing expert classes, uh, a lot of people are picking up some great things. And hopefully, I've given a couple kernels on this conversation tonight. Oh, you give it more than that. You give it some jewels, man. So, uh, folks, you heard it from the man himself, one of the hardest working guys in the <laughs> landscape. You. Oh, my God. Uh, this guy, Jay, is nothing short of phenomenal and again man we really appreciate you coming on the show and if i may say listen live if you dare in pleasant nightmares folks that's just the way that we usher out our conversation there on thing jk thanks so much again man and we really appreciate you and there you have it folks straight from the man who's consulted more than a hundred plus film festivals around the globe thanks to my friend jk for imparting his knowledge with us today now you can find Jay at HorrorHappens.com, HorrorHound Magazine, Dread Central, and Horror News Network, and A Strange Man in a Film Land on social media. And a special thank you to you, my listener, for following along with us at the Expert Process Podcast. Please bear with us as we continue to grow and fine-tune the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to reach out with any suggestions, show ideas, or guest referrals. You can email me at smith.durante at gmail.com. Again, that's smith.durante, D-E-R-O-N-T-E, at gmail.com. And as always, love, peace, and fish grease. And I'm out. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.